Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, welcome into another edition of the Improve Your Lie Golf Show. My name is Jason Puckett. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Jason Puckett 20 As always, uh, here with Brian Mogg at Mogg Academy uh, there on Twitter. And we got a special guest. Uh, Mike Adams is joining us. And uh, Brian and Mike uh, in New Jersey right now. Mike is now we're not going to hold it against Mike that he's a Husky, but because I'm a coup, mm, he's a coup. that's OK. You know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Mike, uh, a nationally renowned uh, golf instructor, has worked with a bunch of people. He's got uh, a lot of uh, lessons, a lot of history in the game of uh, golf. Uh, Mike, welcome. How are you, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brian. I mean, why don't you gush about your friend, Mike? Tell, tell, tell all our I mean, listeners just what a great a golf instructor he is. Mike's not only he's one of my best friends, but Mike's one of the top teachers in the game of golf. I think we all go to number one, and he's in the top two, top three. Yeah. Whatever you are. Nate, I'm now ranked number three. I used to be number two in the world. Okay. Well, Mike has influenced so many people around the world with insights, the research he's done, the tests he's come up with, and he's made a massive impact on my life and so many other teachers. And very quietly, you know, go down the list of virtually every tour player who consults with Mike, as well as presidents, celebrities, et cetera. Mike's done a lot of, in the game of golf, and he's got roots in the Seattle area. So I thought it'd be pretty cool to bring him on and, you know, whether some people want to throw some questions at Mike or just let's have a nice conversation. But he's massively impacted the game of golf and changed so many people's lives, both on the teaching side, on the golf side with lessons. And we got to do a real cool golf school the last few days together. Yeah, yeah, Mike, just we'll go through the career highlights for you so we can just we can make him blush here on, on camera. Director of Instruction, Hamilton Farm uh, Golf Club, Director of Instruction at Medalist. I think uh, most golf fans, if you're really in touch, you know Medalist. You've heard of Medalist many, many times. 2016 PGA National Teacher of the Year, World Golf Teacher, Hall of Fame inductee, Golf Magazine Top 100 Teacher, Golf Digest Top 15 Instructor, and five-time Section Teacher of the Year and PGA Master uh, instructor, Seattle native, uh, Mike, where, where did you grow up? See, uh, I grew I went to Nathan Hale high school. I uh, grew up right by Sandpoint golf club. Nice. Did you, is that where you played growing up? Yes. Yeah. It's quite, quite, uh, have you played it since, um, was it McClay kid that went in played, there? Yeah. No, I've not played it. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. What got you, uh, and so you grow you go Nathan Hale, you go to UW and then how did uh, tell, how did you get into golf instruction and how did you get in this whole crazy world of golf? Well, I was playing for a living and, uh, everybody liked the way I hit it. Next thing you know, I'm teaching a lot of the players and all of a sudden guys are winning on tour left and right. Next thing you know, I'm doing more teaching than I am playing. <laughs> did you take the teaching right away or did you, did you like oh, yeah, it well, or I, were you like, I've I want to keep playing? Teacher. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Brian, what would have growing up and being around him and, and just kind of talking to him and learn to, learning from him? What, what are some of the things you've picked up from Mike over the years? Well, early in my career on tour, we had a chance to connect a little bit and I should have done a better job of listening. Probably would have had a much stronger impact on my game, but that's when I first met Mike. He was out on tour a lot, helping lots of different guys. And I listened, but didn't listen very well. And I don't know, 15 ish years ago, Mike reached out and we've done a lot of things together and he's, trained a lot of us, showed us a lot of all the research, the testing he's done. 
And there's just so many young teachers across the world, Mike's Travel the World, showing all these things that he's come up with that are way outside the, the cookie cutter method teaching that's out there. And that's just changed all of us. It changes, you know, do a golf lesson. You're not trying to, you know, one size fits all. You're trying to come up with some testing that reveals, okay, this guy's built this way or his mobility or his, everything is a certain way. You have to teach him this way. It's the only way his swing's going to perfectly work. Mike, how, what, what is, um, What's the hardest thing about, about teaching someone golf for the very first time, whether it's just an amateur, a, a pro that's reached out, celebrity, wh whoever, what's the kind of the, the first couple lessons that uh, is always <laughs> a really, challenge, I guess. There really hasn't been a challenge. I mean, basically uh, I'm fortunate because uh, I have a good reputation as a hall of famer and, uh, and, you know, one of the top teachers in the world, people actually listen to what I say. <laughs> so, you know, I don't really have problems. I don't have people arguing with me. It's not like the old days when I was first teaching. <laughs> what um brian talks talked about it there mike i mean not one one size does not fit all correct um, is that a challenge at all for a teacher because you know how long does it take you to find that that area with whatever teacher or excuse me with whatever student that you're working with i mean how how hard is that to identify whatever their issue is uh i developed basically seven different uh screens that we work on it takes about five minutes mm -hmm. and once you've done the screens you know exactly how they should swing in time and space. I'm reading through your bio. And when I here's the one guy that's going to stick out to me more than anyone of the people that you've worked with, like celebrities, you've worked with presidents from uh, George H. Bush. You've worked with W. Bush. You've worked with Bill Clinton, Gerald Ford, and then all the celebrities they have written down here, Michael Douglas, Jack Nicholson, Jim Palmer, Whitey Ford, Mike Schmidt, Keanu Reeves. But I love Willie Nelson. Yeah, what kind yeah. of golfer is Willie Nelson? Willie's about a, 12 to 15 handicapper. He, okay. he hit, he puts with a putter about this long. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's, he, he used to be my uh, Thursday morning at, at seven o'clock lesson. Okay. When I was in Austin. Okay. And he took the instruction well. Oh yeah. That's good. See, uh, come on, Mog. Why can't you get some of those guys? I got huh? a couple of Canadian singers that aren't quite <laughs> in the Willie Nelson range, but Tom Cochran and Alex Lifeson for us are two of my guys, but, uh, get, get Mike sharing more stories. There's a lot out there. <laughs> yeah. What, um, how about the presidents that you've worked with? Who's the best golfer? Probably Trump. Okay. And what kind of swing does Trump's he have? The best player. Pardon? Mm -hmm. What kind he, of swing does he have? He actually has a pretty good golf swing. I mean, he claims to be a four, but he's actually a seven. Okay. Okay, then you can, can have play. anybody of anybody you've worked with, celebrities, doesn't matter who it is, who's who's the worst? I mean, we get, can we air out who who the worst is, or is that not is that poor form? Uh, the best the best of all of them was really Jim Palmer. Uh, Jim Palmer Jim could beat Palmer in a couple of senior tournaments, beat Nicholas head to head. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Palmer is a phenomenal athlete who could shoot uh, great numbers. Uh, yeah. Schmidt thought he was better, but he wasn't as good as Palmer. Yeah. But um, the worst. Um, you don't have to air out the worst, but because I don't <laughs> want that to get back to the person, that'd be pretty bad. The most challenging, how's that? Yeah, well, challenging. Um, well, Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Yeah, that makes sense. He doesn't look like he much of a golfer. A bright guy who uh, does not have a lot of hand-eye coordination. Yeah. What if for for both of you, Mike? You can answer this first. What is um. You know, golf is, we just, I was discussing this on, a, on, a, on my radio show today. We were, Dustin Johnson came up and how likable or unlikable he is. And it just, it fits into this conversation because the one thing I do like about Dustin Johnson is um, 
he's just kind of, he's such a great gifted nat- natural athlete that when he, he's kind of this Neanderthal, like he sees ball, he hits ball. There's not mm-hmm. like this great. He doesn't really stand over and he doesn't feel like he overanalyzes anything. His swing doesn't really, you never hear him about changing his swing or doing things different. Like he just goes and plays golf. And, you know, he never doesn't really worry about the, the, the little things that a lot of us do, you know, you know, fretting about, you know, hand position, ball position, you know, how you're standing too close, too far away. The, um, how, how do you guys avoid giving students just too much information? Is it, how can you, you know, Mike, is it sensory overload? Do you think at times? I try to avoid it. Uh, basically what I do is I, that's what I measured. I know what I'm working towards. And I know what their flaws are. And I try to plug their power lakes and, and just work from there. Keep it as simple as possible. The fewer things you tell them, the easier it is for them to make changes. Yeah. Brian, you, really you want to identify? Yeah. yeah. Well, you really, yeah. I mean, everything Mike said, but you really want to identify how a student learns. Huh. You know, some of the research out there, 71% of golfers learn visually. So if you, you know, so a lot of times you ask some questions, oh, what do you do for a living? A guy says he's an accountant. He's not mm. going to learn visually. No. So someone's going to have to kind of tell him what to do. And explain it. Someone who's super visual, you have to kind of walk show, them, through, show them and videos what they're doing. So you have to kind of match the information you want to share with how they receive it and the best way they're going to learn it. Well, what would you, what would, you know, Mike, let's just say you, you, let's take somebody off the street for the first time. You know, and I know it's, it's not one size fit all, fits all. So I'm, I'm asking kind of a tough question. You don't know what they're like and, you know, athletically and all that. But what is, give me three things if you can, or it doesn't have to be three. Give me a couple. When someone's starting golf for the very first time, they haven't picked up a, a club. But what are some things that you can give just like little, maybe the things to think about as they pick up the club for the first time? Does anything come to mind that would be helpful? One thing for me is I don't really get the beginners. They're not going to pay $350 for a golf lesson. I get people who, who are trying to get better and are, you know, seasoned golfers. Uh, but for a beginner, get them to set up properly, how to hold the club, how to bend the ball, how to position the club, the ball position, uh, you know, the aim and alignment, just so they can, because if you set them up correctly, because the setup writes a script of how they're going to spin the club, mm-hmm. and it puts them in position to make good golf swings. Yeah. One of the things I've always done with beginners, like legit beginners, is get a broom. <laughs> Most beginners, they think they have to, quote, hit the ball. So there's always an attempt to kind of overstress and hit at the ball. You <laughs> give them a broom and make them sweep the area where the ball is, all of a sudden they kind of realize, oh, I'm just trying to move the club through the space where the ball's at. And it's like, like a highway stripe, like you're trying to paint a highway stripe through the ball and you get people to understand they're trying to sweep it. You know, you build your fundamentals in the, in the setup and then you get them just to brush the ground ball seems to then get in the way and the motion happens so much better than when golfers try to quote hit at the ball. Yeah. What's the, uh, for both of you, Mike, what's the, uh, what's the oddest uh, maybe prop you've ever used in a golf instruction? Uh, a toilet plunger. Okay. And yeah, that was used sure. to do, that was used to do what, to teach what? No, I said temp, uh, a plunger behind the golfer who was trying to take it too far inside and he hit it. So he got him taken back out above it. Okay. Um, I hosed it off first. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad I'm, who just you know, has a toilet plunger anything. hanging around, like, you know, when you're teaching golf. 
of course, you know, I was looking for something to get him to do it. I went in the, yeah. in the bathroom and died. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, what about you? Can you top a toilet plunger? I don't think I can top a toilet plunger, but I mean, I think as a teacher, you've got to be creative. And half the time, you know, you're standing there on the range and, you know, you realize the students, you know, too far inside, too far outside, and you're, you're looking for something to grab. And, you know, it could be something, just a range basket on the range. It could be something in your, in your backpack, some, you know, simple like a tee, and you just create an awareness. I mean, golf is such a feel-based game that most people struggle to feel what they want, mm -hmm. what they should be feeling. It's our job to come up with the definition of how those feels can be created, and whether it's a toilet plunger, a tee, or a, your shadow, anything that kind of gives feedback that goes, oh, this is what I'm supposed to feel. Geez, that really works. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. I mean, I've used, I use a, a swing paddle all the time where you place it on their ha right hand and have them push and Instead of pulling it, they pull it and drag it across the golf ball. Face is going to be open. They hit slices and they'll learn how to release the club by pushing with a swimming paddle. Mm. And the guy goes, uh, how much is a swimming paddle? I said, swimming paddle is $9. But if we use it as a swing paddle, it's a hundred bucks. <laughs> I love, I love it. What, uh, who do you, when you guys watch golf is, I mean, obviously you guys are teachers, but you're also, you know, golf fans. Uh, in top, you know, instead of, you know, on top of being golf instructors, who do you, what do you guys, what swing do you guys see on the tour that you, that you guys like more than, more than the others? Is there one that stands out to either of you? Well, to me, I mean, uh, every golf swing is unique to the individual. I mean, uh, Matthew Wolf has got a great golf swing because he does biomechanically what he's supposed to do, as does, you know, uh, you know, Justin Rose or uh, any of those guys. Rory McIlroy uh, is now swinging contrary to the way he should be swinging. And as a result, he's not playing as well. But um, God, it's really simple. I mean, Jim Furyk, one of the greatest ball strikers ever to live. People don't say, would you ever teach that swing? I said, if the guy measured it out like Jim Furyk, I would. Mm. Um, but Jim Furyk's made, uh, he's won 15 times and, and won more money than probably anybody, just about. Mm -hmm. So he's pretty successful. Um, we look at um, everybody wants to swing like Adam Scott. He's not had as good a, a career as Jim Furyk. Right, Brian. Do you have do, do you have a favorite swing though? I mean, I'm I'm just just as like kind of a golf pierce. Like when you find this, when oh, you just man. watch a guy play, do you say, "Man, I just really that does it for me." I just really like like for me. I'll just give an example. Like I I can watch uh, I can watch Freddie and I can watch um, Ernie Els hit balls all day long. I, just, well, I like watching those guys. Rhythm and stuff, but yeah. you know what? Their swings are no, don't even resemble each other. They just both have great rhythm. Yeah. I, mean, I think you look for things that you like in a golf swing. Mike mentioned some of the technical things, but as soon as you said that, it's like, I mean, Freddie's rhythm is just so smooth. Ernie is overall so rhythmically good. I had some encounters with Justin Tom Thomas when he was seven, eight years old, and I loved watching him just because I saw him when he was such a little kid. And to watch the dynamics and the kind of the ground force pressure he generates jumping up as a relatively small person. I love seeing how he maximizes everything he gets out of that body. Right. I'll give you another one that I like watching because I only seen him swing the ball one time as Charlie Woods. <laughs> when I watched him at the, the father and son event, when I watched him swing a golf club, I'm like, oh, God, if I could do anything to swing like like that kid. And how, old, how old is Charlie? What, 12? Is he 12 like now. But he's oh. copying dad very well. Yeah, Charlie uh, is, and you know what? Charlie isn't even close to being the best at his age. Mm -hmm. There are, 200 kids better than Charlie at that age. Yeah. Yeah. Fun golf swing though. 
Fun golf thing to watch. Yeah. It's great to have a dad that's Tiger Woods, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. He still puts in the hard work, though. Charlie, come out with you. Yeah. No, he's out there hitting balls and stuff with his dad. And the one who's watching him is uh, Mike Thomas. Oh, Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 Nice. What, um, you know, they're playing this week at, uh, of course, you know, the the oldest country club there and in uh, Brookline, Massachusetts. What, um, playing the U.S. Open? I mean, I, what, you know, people that are going to be watching it this week, I mean, everybody's never going to, I mean, most people watching this probably not going to, never going to play a course that good and and in those types of conditions. Um, But when you look at it, what what, what are you guys going to be looking at when guys, you know, tee it up and, and hit the ball and have to navigate through, you know, the, the narrow or sometimes, you know, a little bit wider fairways, but then they get the rough, the the small greens. I mean, what's going to kind of stand out to you guys this week? Well, the history is what excites me. I mean, Francis, we met one U S open here. A long, at Brookline, uh, what, 50 years ago? 1913. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, almost 100, 100 years. 109 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Francis really met one. It. But yeah. then, then you go through other things. Curtis Strange won it there. You've got the Ryder Cup where mm-hmm. Justin Leonard made the putt. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just so many different stories that have happened. I played in the 1982 U.S. Amateur in college. Jay oh. Siegel won that one, and I, I was in there for a little while, and it was just – it's still one of my favorite courses because it's not ridiculously long. It's mm-hmm. just – the, some of the smallest greens you'll ever see, and you've really got to play. There's some rocks that are built into the course. <laughs> you have to play angles. So I think you're going to see, you know, a really good iron player kind of emerge, you know, as the week goes on. You'll see, you know, good drivers of ball, good putter, sure, but you're going to see probably someone's a little more iron player, rock solid, be the be the guy that eventually holds up. I mean, the you're going to see, uh, you know, Will Zalatoris play well there. You're going to see, um, you know, um, Probably person I think Sam Burns is going to play really well there. Uh, guys who hit the ball well, um, ball strikers. It's a ball strikers golf course. Yeah. yeah. What um, sh- small greens? I mean, what's the what's the key to that? I mean, what is it anything different than in a larger green and how closer. you attack that? Yeah, hit it closer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is there the, is there a strategy with that? Middle, no, you attack the middle of the green. I mean, that's what the USGA does so well is. The greens are about 3,500, 4,000 square feet on average, which is about half of a traditional green. And then the USJ comes in and puts things and pins are four off the edge. You start missing greens on the short side. And that's when you make big numbers because the ball doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to hit the middle of the green, then you're going to be closer to the hole if you hit the middle of the green because right. the greens are small. Such an, you know what, when you talk about it, such an easy game, right? Just hit in the middle of the fairway, hit, hit the, the middle fairway, of the green, the and then boom. Two putt, and the end of the week, you probably win. But yeah, you know what? Pro- Ego probably. gets in the way. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, All they're trying to do when they're out there, they're trying to hit it in position under 21 feet seven times around. If they yeah. do that, they win the golf tournament. There was a, I, I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's crazy, Stan. It just got me thinking of it. And you know what? And I that's think I, I think I read this, this correctly on this stat, but it was, there was something where the PGA professional from 120 yards in has a higher percentage of making bogey than birdie. Do you guys know that? Isn't that no, crazy? No, no not, not on the PGA tour. Now what's, what's in line with what you said is the proximity number that, you know, you watch TV and it looks like the guy's hitting their gap wedge, lob wedge, mm-hmm. pitching wedge stuffed all the time. It's 18 feet is the average, average. shot from like either hundred or 120 feet, 20 yards. 120 yards, which really is not that close when all we're used to watching guys stuff shots all the time. So I, there's no way that it's going to be an over par score with that club in their hand, but the proximity and big pitchers, not that close on average. 
I gotta, I gotta find, I swear I read this. I swear I read this correctly. It was crazy because then I was thinking that just doesn't seem right. But then when you think about it, I mean, all you ever see is the leaders. You never see anybody else. Right. You know, when they're 120 yards in, you don't see the guy that's, you know, eight back, 10 back, uh, bogey. But I don't know. I'm just curious. It, it, it feels like that 120 yards in, I just use my personal experience. We've talked about this before. That's where I struggled playing golf is from 120 and hundred yards in. Um, and I just wonder if, if that's a struggle for, for other, even professional golfers. Cause it just, I find myself not getting it close enough or making, you know, adding strokes there from 120 yards in when the rest of the game is fine. Driver's fine. Putting is fine. And, you know, irons are fine, but it's just that 120 yards shot in. That doesn't seem like it's that difficult, but then you, you know. In a typical USJ event, usually you have one, maybe two holes per nine where you have that yardage mm. and you have to take advantage of those shots yeah. and make your birdies. Par fives. Par fives and or the one or two short par fours where you've got the 100, 120 yard shot. Just mandatory that you get your birdies locked down on holes yeah. like that because the other parts of the course are usually going to play really hard. Yeah, I mean, Basically, the closer they get to the green, the closer they hit it to the hole. Yeah. What about for, for you guys? Like, every, every golfer, you guys are golfers, you guys are golf nuts. I mean, everybody, you mm-hmm. know, struggles with parts of their game and, and all that. What what do you guys find? We love golf. Like, I have a love-hate relationship with the sport, like probably everybody <laughs> else does at times. What is it that is for your guys' own game that, that still to this day, like, ah, it's kind of maddening. Mike, do you have, you have an element of your game? You're like, ah, man. This is what gets me every time. Putter. Putter. Yeah. I mean, my wedges are super. My driver is super. My putter sucks. <laughs> Have you, and you haven't been able to figure it out, huh? I haven't given enough time to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> uh, when I find a putter I like, I putt well. When I find a putter. And, it, it, you know, the problem is, as I get older, they run out of putts sooner. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Last long enough? No, yeah. it, all of a sudden, you know, I think it at least has last week 18 holes. All of a sudden, after 14 holes, it doesn't want to putt it anymore. Yeah. What about Brian? What about you? What's your, what's that Achilles heel that just yeah, kind of has been bugging you? Putter, putter's been the Achilles over the years. And I don't know, I've worked really hard at it the last few months and been doing lots of drills and I'm a lot more confident with my putter. That's good. Are you guys like, I find myself always, is, is it normal for gol- golfers to always be just, you know, you know, uh, piddling around and always kind of trying to change things left and right. Like I'll go from one yeah, week. Not, I'll, they I'll just putt. want to get better. Yeah. You just want to improve. I know. But like from one week, I'll, you know, I'll putt um, normal, you know, and what I mean by normal is I just take it back normal, you know, take it back through. And then one week I, that doesn't feel right. So then I'll forward press. I mean, I just, I, it's like every other week I do something different. Cause I just, I don't know. I get antsy to try something new. Is is that normal? I I used when I yeah when I was on tour, I tried something on Monday, another thing on Tuesday, another thing on Wednesday. Back to the first thing on Thursday, it didn't work. (laughs) So I tried something new, and that constant searching effectively you never find it. Yeah, why do you got it? What is it anyway? Yeah, what what is it? But why do we? But Mike, my question is why? Why do we? Why do golfers tinker so much in a quest to get better? And, you know, and we're, we're, we're not patient. Yeah. See, every, to get good at anything, you have to put time in on it. Yeah. The problem is if we don't get instant uh, success, we're, we're on to the next one. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's just, you, you just, you, you think, and the, the funny thing is you, you do something one week, you, you think, right. You, oh, you figured it out. Oh my, I know what I've been doing wrong the whole time. 
And then that lasts like two weeks and you find something else to, ah, I'm doing this wrong now. It's the constant. I mean, it's, it's, I think a why it's probably, I don't know if you guys agree, the probably the most, well, I think it's the most addictive game that there is. It's it that, is. I guess, right, Mike, that constant quest for perfection. Mm-hmm. And that perfection doesn't exist. I mean, it does not exist. Yeah. I'm going to chase it. Yeah, of course. I'm trying to make it happen. Of course, you're going to chase it. Um, and that's a great news for us because as long as they're chasing it, we're still employed. Yeah, they're still employed, right? Yeah, exactly right. Um, so, what do you, so Mike, what are you up to nowadays? Like, I mean, what's, uh, give us a little info. I know you're, you're kind of bouncing between a, a couple of different places and still teaching, still loving what you're doing, right? Yeah, I just got done uh, my, my gig down in Florida. I just moved back up here to New Jersey. And I'll be up here till uh, end of October, beginning of November, and I'll teach. I mean, basically six days a week, and I was teaching seven days a week till my wife got back up here. Now I get, I'm actually going to take a day off. Okay, it's going to be next Monday. Be my first next, day off next but, um, Monday. But I'm just teaching all day, every day. So I love what I do, and I'm fortunate because I love what I do. Yeah, Brian, what about what about you? I mean, were you regarding when is the U.S. Senior Open? Next week. All right. So. I'm heading over there tomorrow and going to do kind of more practice and preparation and check things out. People don't realize Brian is the best player uh, of all the teachers. Really? In fact, you took every great teacher and you, so I, I used to believe I was, but Brian is, he's the best player. Yeah. I got a chance to play with him last year. Yeah. He's just uh, smooth and it just, you know, you know what the thing with, I think maybe it's all players that stand out, but just playing with Brian and being up close next to him. It's, it's never, it never seems forced. It never, it, every shot that you hit looks like you're doing a practice swing. I guess that's, that's what it should look like. Right. But I mean, it just looks so smooth. I probably played 15 times with Brian. I think the highest score he's ever shot with me is 69. And he shot several 63s and fours and fives. Well, Brian, what's going to be the key next week? How are you going to, how are you going to bring home that hardware? Well, it's the same thing we were talking about for Brookline. I mean, patience is going to be a massive key not to try and force anything, not to let ego get ahead of smarts. Yeah. Um, there's enough length on the golf course that you're going to have to, A, hit the fairway, B, hit the middle of the green, and everything we just got done talking about it looks like the kind of golf course that, you know, I'm going to say even par is going to win, but it's probably going to be really close to even par winning the golf tournament. Lots of speed on the greens, lots of severe heavy rough. And I, I like, you know, from going around the course, I like what I'm seeing that you, you're going to have to hit the ball straight. You're going to have to manage your game for, say, control with your iron shots and getting the yardages right. You're going to have to be a person that makes putts with some break on them, get the ball in the right tier of the greens. There's just a lot of things that I think do fit my game well. So nice. Um, I'll do some it's a really good prep. golf course. Yeah. Really, really strong golf course, and you know I'll get to dig deeper here the next few days and learn more about it. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me let me leave you guys with this, Mike. I'm curious to get your thoughts. And Brian and I have talked about this a bunch, but um, let, I want to revisit it one more time. What, Mike, and your experience? I mean, you grew up here in New uh, Newcastle, but uh, Nathan Hale and went to UW. There are so many good golfers that have come out of this area. Um, you know, guys have gone professional. I mean, local guys, it is golf crazy. The weather stinks, so I don't get it. Uh, it's We get like two months of the year where it's nice. Uh, three. Three. Uh, barely. We're not, not three now. No, I mean, June's, June's been yet. 55 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, but why? What, what is it about this area that has produced, I mean, a lot of really good golfers? Mike, what do you, you have? I mean, rhyme or reason to it? Well, uh, 
first of all, when you have good golfers, you have good competition. Mm-hmm. You have good competition. Kids work harder to become better. And uh, I mean, when I was growing up, uh, the Mike, the uh, Tom Wells and the Tom Story and, you know, uh, Mike Reeser and all those guys, uh, those are the guys that drove me to become better. And then I drove other generations to come become better. And that's just the way it is. And um, the weather is actually conducive for good golf because uh, you play in every type of weather situation. You're not ever playing an ideal perfect weather and you learn how to play in bad weather. If you are a mutter and you learn how to play in bad weather, because you're going to have it out there on tour and stuff, yeah. you have better chances of winning in bad weather tournaments because uh, nobody likes to play in bad weather. Well, we do because we're used to it. <laughs> it's, it's true. And uh, and especially for you, Brian, especially like where you're from down, you know, down the South area and that, that Tacoma area. I mean, there's just, I mean, you go to any country club oh, yeah. down there and it's just littered with guys that have either played on the tour or currently on the tour. It's, it's amazing. It, it, it's truly amazing that, you know, over the last say 30 years, starting with about Freddie, yeah. that there's so many players, the Putnam's right now are, are Andrew's out there right now. Joe Highsmith's on his way. And there's others that are so in the mix. Um, I've got a couple of juniors, one, one's at Duke, one's going to Northwestern next year. They're going to be stars, superstars. And you name drop 20 other names in there. And the cool part for me is, you know, as I'm around the country, Mike's in Florida, when people want golf lessons, the Northwest is the most passionate place people want golf lessons. Yeah. It's unbelievable just how really, you know, solid people's passion for the game of golf is. So when you throw good competition in, that kind of stereotype that the Northwest with the trees, you've got to probably be a better driver of the ball. Yeah. Okay. We grew up with courses where you, you learned, you know, maybe not Sahali every course, but every course is kind of in that way where it's defined by trees where it seems like you go outside the Northwest, it's more new modern courses, no trees on it and mounds and things like that. So I think Mm -hmm. the stereotype Northwest golfers learning to hit fairways from an early age and being able to kind of shape their ball with draws and fades. And most everybody's just a really good ball striker. And like Mm -hmm. Mike said, then you have to learn to play in different elements all the time and adapt to, you know, super dry and firm here eventually in the summer, but in the winter time, you know, your seven irons going 140, you can't figure out why. So there's just a lot of really good reasons why Northwest, you know, has produced Ryan Moore's and all that. I know for me, Ken still was my motivating factor. And he was kind of my ultra mentor as a, as a young man. Great ball striker. Great ball striker. Mm -hmm. And just the way he encouraged me to copy him on the tour, I wanted so badly to be out there. And now you've got, you know, the generational history from, from Freddie and I'll leave some names out here, but you know, Ryan Moore's, done fantastic both Putnam's did fantastic Don B's a long time was out there forever and there's just so many guys Mike Reed Reed, you you latch on to some of these guys and you follow their careers and then they share insights with you it's been really cool yeah it's great well it's a pleasure Mike it was a pleasure to to meet you and uh, thanks for spending uh, some time with us here on improve your life pleasure was mine uh Brian uh we'll talk to you hopefully we'll talk to you next week or if not we'll uh, we'll wish you good luck in the U.S. Senior Open. Everybody have a great uh, Father's Day. Have a great uh, U.S. Open watching it. Uh, get out there and contact your local golf instructor. Get out there and, and get some lessons. And uh, Mike, plug the website, right? MikeAdamsGolf.com. Yep. And yeah. uh want to plug a good friend of ours, Jeff Costin, who's a terrific teacher up in the Northwest. Yep, absolutely. Jeff's always, anytime there's always an event up here, he's always he's always leading it. Whatever whatever flight he's in, like you look around, oh, there's there's Costin again. Yeah, he's a great, great instructor. Uh, you guys are as well. Appreciate the time today. We'll, we'll see another edition of Improve Your Lie. Uh, show is in the books. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.